0: Karis alongside Blake Price, Grace Sass, and Switches, conducting things in the show, a presentation of Applewood Autograph. Applewood Nissan in Surrey has
1: got the Nissan Leaf, the electric Nissan Leaf that allows you to drive on past every gas station that you see. And it's starting from just 82 bucks a week.
0: Plus, you get a $500 a loyalty rebate. Join the electric revolution. It's all good. Poll question today, has Thatcher Denko and J.T. Miller versus Jeremy Swayman reignited that Canucks-Bruins rivalry? You can vote yes or no at Sakuris and Price on Twitter and YouTube. Yes, something that reared its head over All-Star weekend. Uh, More on that in a second, because I want to start with Elias Lindholm, who finally has practiced here with the Vancouver Canucks in advance of Tuesday's game against the Carolina Hurricanes, of course, the team that drafted him once upon a time, fifth overall. And Tockett has him starting on right wing with Lace Pettersson centering the line. He is with the two line mates we thought he would be with, Pettersson and Mikheyev. But starting on right wing, uh, one would suspect he's going to take his strong side faceoff draws. He is a good face-off man. And then on the power play... Uh, our friends in Calgary, Ryan Pinder and, and that crew from Afterburner, um, tell me that he's played all over on the power play, but mostly as a net front guy. So no real surprises there. Perhaps the uh, surprise for the Canucks with the power play is Besser Miller Petterson across with Phil uh, with Quinn Hughes at the back. Yeah,
1: I, you were surprised by that. I'm isn't. surprised by that because I just love the Miller blowing the zone and running downhill into that yeah. shot like a, and again, we'll see because the other report that we we heard from practice was that there was a lot of movement of the power play, so maybe that's the starting spot, but then once they come out of the blocks, uh, they move around, but I don't want to lose that mm-hmm. huge setup of Miller skating downhill into the net. I I thought that just worked like Gangbusters. Yeah.
0: All-Star Weekend and the poll question. If you miss it, and um, a lot of people sort of check out of All-Star Weekend, the reviews on this one is better than most. It's the best I can remember in in some time. Uh, Of course, in some ways really had nowhere to go but up after the last couple of years. I I can't say I saw much of the games. I did see most of the skills competition and the... Players getting to choose what goaltender they faced Mm -hmm. on the one-on-one side of things. JT Miller chose Jeremy Swayman of the Boston Bruins, but with the line, he's the only goalie I can score on, suggesting he had had previous success or scored a goal against. And I think it's been deduced that
1: in his career, he's really only got one breakaway goal, and it's against against Swayman.
0: I think that's the background. And then Jeremy Swayman, video of him hugging his fellow goaltenders as they left the ice and walked through the dressing room. And Thatcher Demko doesn't even look at him, just stares straight ahead and walks by, leaving Swayman hanging for the hug. And look, they're goaltenders, they're a little bit weird. It may have been a bit. It also might just be Thatcher Demko just not engaging – We've come to know this about Thatcher Demko. Yeah, He's not about the fringe ancillary stuff. He's not the life of the party. No, no. no. And that left Bruins fans sore. You left him hanging on the hug? To the point where Jacob Lauko, Bruins forward, quote tweeted one of the Bruins fans saying Demko is rude, no hugs with sway. Lauko says, tweets, more hugs for us. (laughs) The Canucks are in Boston on Thursday. Oh, are they now? They sure are, Blake. Once upon a time, they played a Stanley Cup final. You have to be quite old to remember it. This is game 24. (laughs) It's game 36, I believe. (laughs) And in fact, it's the first of two with the Bruins this month. They are here on February 24th. And Blake, they get the Toronto Maple Leafs treatment. It's a four o'clock puck drop. At Rogers Arena on Saturday, February twenty fourth. I voted no on the poll, but I'm sure hoping yes. I think we need something to happen on the ice, and preferably Thursday, so there's some carryover for a couple weeks from Saturday. Yes, yeah, right. As long but as- it was a very fun rivalry, and and really, I, I know, and, and we'll talk to others about this. I know there's a school of thought, oh, Boston and the Bruins really haven't considered Vancouver since winning the Stanley Cup here at Rogers Arena in 2011. But there was the game with Marshawn, Mock, pantomiming, lifting the cup, and kissing the ring in Vancouver. Yeah. That certainly stirred it up a couple years ago. Yeah, he hadn't forgotten it at that point. Um, And and as long as he is there, and he's the
1: only one of consequence that is there. I think he's the only one, period. Yeah. um, Then... I think, and in, in, in a moment like that, like a mm-hmm. gesticulation or something from Brad Marchand is always possible. Mm-hmm. It is. He's matured somewhat, but not fully. He's still not fully. He's still well. And an let's adolescent. face it: no matter how
0: much he matures, he will always be regarded as the younger guy on that 2011 Bruins team. But he can't help himself, a... but be the heel. Yeah, like he just he
1: just he is drawn to it like moth to light. Mm-hmm. So. Him doing something stupid, maybe he's looked ahead on the schedule, realizing that he's got two against the Canucks. And maybe he's. Well,
0: and look, I've long said, first of all, Brad Marchand, terrific hockey player. You can't yeah. take that away from him. For sure. And we have long said on this show, you need heels, you need villains. There are so many players in the NHL that just want to be bland, just want to be beige, just want to be milk with He steps into the role voluntarily, sure. he plays it with a plum. And I would much rather have the pantomiming heel Brad Marchand than the guy who's low-bridging Sammy Sallow and maybe ending a career on the ice. Yeah, if it's just
1: if it's just pantomiming Stanley Cuplift, that's fine. Mm-hmm. The low-bridges we can do with that.
0: And, of course, I mean, I was going to say lost, but certainly not lost from this market because we're not accustomed. The Vancouver Canucks and the Boston Bruins... Enter the unofficial second half of the league schedule as the two best teams in the National Hockey League at 71 points, four points better than the Colorado Avalanche, 724 winning percentage. That's absolutely matched. I shouldn't say that, um, but 724 matched through three digits Canucks 33 11 and 5, the Bruins 31 9 and 9. I cannot believe we are here. And mostly from a Vancouver Canucks standpoint, because of course the Bruins had a historic year last year, and then wound up losing in the first round.
1: And that's always the the uh, the warning here: what you do in the regular season doesn't guarantee you anything. The like 2012 Vancouver Canucks would like a word. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do love the the fact that we're down to 30 I haven't done the hadn't done the math yet recently on how many games are left. Thirty three sounds doable. Yep, like that's. We've bitten off a big chunk of it here at 49 games. Game 50 in Carolina Tuesday. So, like, it's not home stretch. We're not using that terminology just yet. Nope. But I think as soon as that calendar turns to March, we can start to use
0: that a little bit. And uh, the playoffs are not too far away. Well, and, you know, we've heard this before. We've said this before this year. This is a good test for the Vancouver Canucks, this five-game road trip which starts in Raleigh on Tuesday, heads to Boston on Thursday. Then weekend morning starts, everybody. 10 a.m. in Detroit on Saturday, 10.30 to get out of the way of Super Bowl, in Washington on Sunday. Now, Carolina, one of the better teams in the National Hockey League, and after a slow start to the season, they have really kicked it into gear since Christmas. Boston, we know what's there. Detroit is currently holding one of the two Eastern Conference wildcard spouts, and in fact, the last playoff spot in the East. They're in a Donny Brook with the Toronto Maple Leafs and Tampa Bay Lightning, those three squads fighting amongst the teams in the Atlantic Division to stay out of the wildcard and, and play in the 2-3 matchup there. And then Blake Washington... Look, if it doesn't start happening soon for the Capitals, then it's not happening. So they're that quote unquote, desperate team. They're seven points back of Detroit. They do have games in hand against most of the teams they're chasing in the wild card race. And they have four teams to jump to get into that final wild card spot in the east. So you're gonna face a couple of, well, one really desperate team. One team that doesn't have a ton of margin for error in its final 32 games, Detroit's at 50 already, Uh, before you get, let's face it, uh, a palate cleanser against Chicago next week.
1: And and the Detroit game is much like the Boston game, the first of two in the month, uh, first of two in two weeks. So. A series versus the ring uh, wings, which I mean, if the Canucks take care of them in both, I mean, it puts a big hit on their playoff aspirations. So, yeah,
0: Detroit's here next Thursday as the Canucks start an itty bitty homestand before we on back out on yeah, the road.
1: Yeah, eight of ten, as we've talked about, and and uh, it's out uh, right on the road, and it's going to be a tough test. But really, um, from there on in, um, a lot of home cooking, a nine game homestand is not too far away here for the Vancouver Canucks. So, Uh, Last bit of of schedule adversity is right here in the month of February. It it, it really is the last bit of schedule uh, adversity. So uh, we'll see how they withstand
0: it. Want to get to something from All-Star Weekend that may well be a thing outside of All-Star Weekend. But Rick Tockett, of course, one of the All-Star coaches. And as we know, all the Canucks were on the same All-Star team with the exception of Elias Lindholm. He played on one of the other... He did not play on Team Hughes. Well, one of the players on Team Hughes was Frank Vetrano, winger, with the Anaheim Ducks, um, who a first-time All-Star, a let's face it, a a guy with a uh, you know wasn't a, exactly a first-round pick, a Ballyhood prospect or anything like that. But loved wherever he went. He's a former Bruin. Built by the way. himself into an NHL player yeah. and a damn good one now. Yeah. At age 29, he's got 22 goals in 50 games, 36 points, 29 years old, under contract this year and next at $3.65 million. There has been some talk about him potentially as a trade target. Now, he does have the year left of term, but you know, Anaheim and Pat Verbeek have to gauge whether they think they're going to be competitive next year. And of course, they may just, hang on to him and move him next year if they can't re-sign him. Who knows? understand he's quite liked in that room. But he played a fair bit with Elias Pettersson with Vancouver Canucks in the all Look, we get it. It is a totally different format. It does not replicate an NHL game. But with Ilya Mikheyev struggling so mightily, no goals in, what, 17 games here, is it? Possible the Canucks could look at further bolstering their top six with a guy like Frank Vitrano, who's, let's face it, I think got a pugnacity that Rick Tockett would take a shine to. Had a really nice uh, playoff
1: run with the Rangers in 2022. Uh, Five goals in a game. Oh, he bounced around a lot. How many teams did he play for? Do you have it there in front? Bruins, Panthers, Rangers, and now Ducks. Mm -hmm. Uh, But 13 points in 20 playoff games. He's a bit of a fire hydrant. Like, he's not—he's— He's not big. He's only 5'11", listed, but he's not light. And so I don't think he gets pushed around much in the playoffs. I I like that. I wonder, if you're going to go down hypothetical boulevard here, um, do you one-stop shop and say Ilya Labushkin is defensive depth and just make one larger
0: trade and just be done with it? Yeah, Just Just be done. Labushkin, a rental, a UFA to be a right-shot defenseman and a – Bigger, stiffer guy as well, in fact, was a trade deadline acquisition last year with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, cap space, of course, is a thing for the Canucks. And to be fair, Jim Rutherford on Toronto Radio last week talked about how they're going to sit back, be patient, see what market prices are. Talked more along the lines of March 8th. That's a potential acquisition date. That's angel trade deadline as opposed to coming out here and making another big early move. Um. But they're all in. And as we've talked about for the better part of, I guess, a month now, if you're all in, you're all in. Mm-hmm. So I would think at minimum you're looking at depth acquisitions for the Vancouver Canucks. I think ideally one forward, one defenseman. This would be a bigger move. That would probably require some salary going back the other way. You wonder where they are on McKayev. Now, I, I personally am not buying the McKayev talk. Uh, for a number of reasons, you know he's still a fast player on a team that isn't, you know, the speediest in the league. You saw you saw the speed data that got released last week. the the mm-hmm. the, the
1: guys that average the most twenty right. mile an hour bursts not not in the top
0: one hundred. Really, like he just doesn't use his speed anymore. Yeah. Um. Anyways, I he's got two more years left. He was specifically sought out by this management group. He's still a. Uh, reputable defensive player now, and I still think he's able to play hockey style of hockey, and as we know, that's exacting. And coach wants uh, specifics mm-hmm. in terms of what he gets from his his wingers, particularly his forecheckers. So I, I'm still not necessarily buying it, but you know we got a, a month to go here before a trade deadline. If it continues not to work out for Ilya Mikheyev, particularly if you're playing beside players the likes of Patterson and uh, Lindholm, then you may get into a a scenario much like Andre Kuzmenko where it's just untenable. It's a a funny funk that he's in because, get this, Matt,
1: last year on a torn-up knee, 46 games, 13 goals, 28 points this year with the repaired knee, 45 games, 10 goals, 3 fewer, 23 points, 5 fewer points. He was better
0: last year on an imperfect knee. So, and the other question here is, is Nils Hoaglander going to progress enough whereby he takes that duty? And he is a top six winger, and Ilya Mikheyev is a bottom six winger for the Vancouver Canucks. Talking it had said recently, he wants Mikheyev playing more like Hoaglander. That is kind of a distant early warning shot, I would think, of the move... That they are considering uh, with Hoaglander, who of course has earned the coach's trust more than ever. He's and
1: also here's the thing, just mention
0: that. Oh, you know, and Hoaglander, he's still going to be an imperfect defensive player.
1: Right. Well, there's two Selkie nominees beside well, one him.
0: nominee, one, one guy's presumptive. gotten votes. Yes. Yeah, one guy's gotten votes in the past. Patterson's gotten votes. Lindholm has been a finalist. But like, if you're going to insulate the game, doesn't that sound perfect no, that's for perfect. Nils Hoaglander? Uh, no, absolutely right. Absolutely right. Uh, Elliot Friedman saying on his podcast that things are picking up around Chris Tanef. We had the Chris Tanef discussion on Friday uh, with the second round pick and a prospect being the asking price. Up to 10 teams involved on TANF. Friedman cites the Toronto Maple Leafs. And as mentioned, Toronto is in a dogfight here. They are holding on to the first wildcard spot in the East. Um, percentage points better than the Detroit Red Wings, who are in the second wild card spot. And in fact, at least have fallen from out of that Atlantic Division wild card spot with the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are up to 59 points and who today welcomed back four different players from injury uh, Chernak, Tanner, Junot, uh, consequential players. Now, their most consequential player. The guy who's leading the National Hockey League in scoring at the All Star break, Nikita Kucherov, did you see his act I, at I, skills competition? Embarrassing. I mean, honestly, he was so off putting. He made me hate the event. And the event was actually better than most of these skills competitions. But I couldn't get over the fact just how miserable he looked. How little effort was involved. I didn't even find the trolling of the fans amusing. I think he was out to sabotage the thing. Shame on him. I uh, You need buy-in for these events. And do. this guy wasn't buying in whatsoever. Next year, they've got to figure out which of these guys actually want to participate, put a smile on your face, and join in in the fun. But you, you
1: run the risk here. And it's lower E embarrassing for lower case E for me. Um the minute you start to give the guys the get out of jail free card for the skills competition, however, you get what we have had in recent years in the home run contest and in the slam dunk contest. Sorry, who's taking part in the slam dunk contest? Don't care. I'm sure the guy's got great hops as the 11th choice off the bench
0: for the Boston Celtics, but I don't want to watch Are that. You're saying you have a problem with D Brown and how he would pump up his sneakers? No, see, you that, was you that, be- that was showmanship. Um, that was.
1: But at least that's Nikita Kucherov participating. If he wants to stain his legacy by operating like that, then that's his choice. But you can't go, oh, Nikita doesn't want to do it. So here's Frank Vetrano. Like,
0: you, like that's not. You can't do that. You can't. So honestly, I know people are saying it was better. I still thought it was. Some of those events just aren't particularly pleasing aesthetically, and particularly so when contestant eight comes up.
1: Well, the passing one... The passing, the one, passing
0: is, one is horrible. horrible. They and,
1: just got to scuttle that one. And there's no Less intensity. Less more. Uh, Pedersen did that, and he almost won that, didn't he? Or did he win? He did win it, I think. Um, he did it in like a Barka lounger. Like, there was zero urgency to his game. He's, yeah. just, he's such a good passer that he didn't need to look frantic in doing it. But as a result... It loses its
0: eye pleasingness because he's well, so that, relaxed. That's it. If it's not happening at speed, if it's happening as relaxed as it was, and don't even get me started on Stickhead, like, <laughs> I mean, I didn't mind that one as much, but, um, w- but when it's done at sort of half ass speed, and a lot of them... All that
1: being said, though, Matt, and I spent the entire weekend in an arena. Mm-hmm. I, I should have just brought a sleeping bag to the South Surrey Community Center. Um,
0: We've done a show from there way back when, if I'm not really? mistaken. Really? Oh, I don't remember oh, that. Oh,
1: maybe you were away in the summer. Um, I talked to a lot of hockey parents, and you know, people kept on saying to me, hey, what would you think of the All-Star? I kind of watched it. I, I liked it. And- so anecdotally, at the very least, I, I it did play well. It did play much better. Now, it's a sliding scale and... and And, uh, you know, it's not going to contend for the actual excitement of a true NHL game, especially the way the Canucks are playing this year. But on the scale, I think people thought it was a step forward.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, And then there was this sad news to report from Rogers Arena where the Canucks' beloved pup, Rip, a yellow lab, had to be euthanized just 18 months old. Yeah, sad. Um, Canucks tweeted, "Is with a heavy heart that we share the news of Rip's sudden passing late last week. You and your legacy will not be forgotten. Of course, lots of teams now have team dogs, and the Canucks jumped on this this train. And um, it was in association with BC Guide Dogs. And so Rip featured in a bunch of the uh, social media videos the Canucks have been doing over his 18 months. Um, This is CEO Bill Thornton of BC Guide Dogs who said to CTV News, unfortunately, we do have that dreadful moment once in a while when we actually lose a puppy, and we have, in this case, apparently Thursday morning Rip was not feeling well, did not want to eat his food, did not want to get up. He was taken to a clinic. Uh, Vets discovered fluid in his abdomen, decided he needed surgery, and then when they um, began the surgery, they found just a multitude of, other of things that yeah. weren't right, and they felt that he would probably not survive. I guess they discovered things before the surgery and made the recommendation to euthanize Thornton. We always try and put the welfare of the dog first, and we had to reluctantly make the terrible decision that we would have to, to let him go. So you know how pets, especially... You know, cute yellow laps burrow into the hearts. Yes, yeah. So I'm sure Very there's savvy. some long faces there at Rogers Arena and amongst Canucks fans who um, were fans of Rip over this 18 months on their social media channels. So uh, I suspect a uh, a new dog is coming. An adoption, perhaps, yes. of the uh, process. Yeah, yes. especially given that you have the uh, connection with with BC Guide Dogs. Okay. Let's get into today's show and today's menu, which is brought to you by Seagram's VO. Originally introduced in the early 1900s, Seagram's VO, designed as a wedding gift from Joseph E. Seagram for his son. Barrels set aside in the warehouse and specifically marked VO, the family's very own whiskey. Seagram's VO, a select Canadian whiskey, artfully blended and impeccably crafted. Make it your very own we're going to talk to JPAT pat here on a number of topics. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter. Vanny Sartini will join us, head coach of Vancouver Whitecaps FC, because uh, they have a match Wednesday night at Starlight Stadium in Langford. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, well, right around zero, if not below, against the Mexican side. Hey, T- that, that works for This could be quite a scene. The last time that happened, Canada versus Mexico. That's right. Commonwealth, it worked. Is that when we were jumping in snowbanks? Yes. Yeah. we're like a hot dam. Uh Also, lots to talk about later in the program. The BC Lions are a week away from CFL Free Agency here with a couple of big stars still unsigned. And Vancouver, BC Place. We know our FIFA World Cup hosting schedule for 2026, and it involves a lot of Canada. And it could involve like pretty much all of Canada's matches, save one, depending on how far the Maple Leafs can get in the twenty twenty six World Cup. Uh,
1: should we get to our best
0: bets? Yes, a presentation indeed. of sports
1: interaction, your homegrown sports book and casino. Matt, uh, what do you like? Well,
0: I I'm probably going to go with a Super Bowl prop all week here. Okay. Just so you're on notice. I may, I may pick a, the Caps game tomorrow, but. Uh, I think Kansas City is going to want to put the game in Patrick Mahomes' hands. It's tough to run against San Francisco that defense, those fantastic linebackers, good front as well. So I'm going under 66 and a half rushing yards for Kansas City running back Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, I'm going to go a bit of a
1: parlay for the Whitecaps and Tigres. Oh, wow! You can choose the halftime and full time results. So I'm going to say the Tigres because they're in form. At middle of their season, they get an early goal or an early lead. They lead at halftime, but the full time result is a tie. Oh wow! I, I picture a one nil halftime lead for Tigers and a mm-hmm. one one final because <laughs> it's just so bloody cool. Yeah, not a lot can be accomplished
0: in the 80th minute. They're sitting there going, "Just run the clock. We don't care about the result. I'm so bloody cool." So pretty
1: reasonable storyline. Pays out at twelve fifty. So it's pretty good value, I think.
0: Right? I against-
1: guess. Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook and casino featuring custom props and parlays you won't find anywhere else and speaking directly to a Vancouver sports fan. Plus, best-in-class casino with thousands of games and live dealers. Sports Interaction, bet local, must be 19 years of age, please play responsibly. You can see the code there. You get 200% welcome bonus mm-hmm. from Sakaris and Price.
0: Jeff Patterson is next. <laughs> Joined now by wide Vancouver, Chef Patterson, our Canucks reporter who uh, is still on vacation, but made it to U2 in Las Vegas. We're very pleased about that, Jeff, and can't wait to see you back here in Vancouver. Um, we'll get to All-Star Weekend in a second, but I, I want to start with Lindholm because we see him practice on the right wing with yeah. Elias Patterson, which I guess I was a little surprised there. I thought they would slot Lindholm into the center spot, but um, you tell me, how do you see these two working out?
2: Yeah. And I I watched Rick Tockett's post-practice interview from Carolina and I thought he was, again, very instructive in the way that uh, he is going about his business here. I wonder if it's easier to get a guy to assimilate uh, to a new team on the wing a little bit. Uh, But he also talked about the versatility and the fact that uh, he's situational, uh, the righty lefty thing. So I think you'll see Elias Lindholm take some faceoffs. I think that there are parts of the game... uh, you know, if they want, and not cheating for offense, but if they find themselves down in a game, perhaps there's ways that you can amp up uh, Elias Patterson to get that line going, and maybe ask Elias Lindholm to take on a few more defensive responsibilities along the way, so I think there's going to be a learning process here. Now, Lindholm's been traded before, so I think that's going to help him, and it just the way it turns out, obviously, broke into the league in Carolina as a high pick of the uh, the Hurricanes back in 2013, so I don't know if there's still a chip, although I saw our buddy T-Mart post the video over the weekend of uh, Elias Lindholm going back into Carolina with the uh, uh, trying to spoil the party with their post-game celebration and all that kind of So maybe he, he does still have a chip on his shoulder as he goes back uh, to Raleigh. Whatever the case, uh, he's a veteran now. He's been around. I, I think that uh, him sort of figuring out and finding his way should be an issue and you can't ask for much uh, better landing spot than playing alongside your countryman and uh, one of the best players in the national hockey league. So it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a work in progress obviously, but I think you lean into the fact that he's a veteran guy that's been around. He's versatile. He's flexible in the term, in all the things that he can do. I'm really curious to see how do they integrate him on the penalty kill? And does that happen right away? Because this guy is a 55% percent faceoff guy. Uh, he's logged big minutes on the penalty kill in Calgary and the Canucks penalty kill has been getting better as the season's gone along, but I don't think anybody would tell you that it's a, a finished product yet. So I wonder how often he'll kill penalties for the Canucks and how quickly that's going to start.
1: What'd you make a talk? It's yeah. competition. Uh, yeah. Your quote uh, about, it, I mean, it, they didn't add a body. I would fully agree with him if they added a body and there was just right. more bodies around, but what do you, where do you see the competition?
2: Yeah. I mean, that kind of caught me a little bit as well. Uh, I feel like every time I'm on with you guys, we talk about Ilya Mikheyev, and they have to get him going. And uh, if it doesn't happen for him, I wonder how long they can be patient here. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Phil Giuseppe's on the road trip, uh, he's skating, although Tockett said he wasn't committing to playing him on this road trip, but we can't get to a world where Phil Giuseppe is back in the top six of the Vancouver Canucks. And so, uh, you know, I, I hope that Nils Hoaglander would have an inside track ahead of Giuseppe if they get to that point with Mikheyev. But first things first, I want Mikheyev to work. Uh, it feels like Miller and Besser and Pia Suter uh, had something good going before the break. And so it looks like they're going to continue on here out of the break. Again, you know, at the outset of the season, I didn't envision Pia Suter being a top six forward for the Canucks, but Kuzmenko didn't work. He's not here anymore. Uh, Di Giuseppe, we always kind of thought, was a short-term project. And a guy that, it, you know, look, he earned his spot out of camp. Like, I had no issues coming out of training camp, but we always said, like, long-term, there has to be a better option. Uh, Elias Lindholm certainly would uh, fit the bill there. So, uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, as far as the competition goes, I guess it's just the the trickle-down. Uh, and But you're right. To me, the competition more feels like if Phil DiGiuseppe does get clearance here and knocks on the door... Uh, who comes out of the lineup to make room for him? And we've asked that question in the past. And again, I want to believe that a guy like Neil's Hoaglander with his 14 goals, has moved beyond being one of those candidates. I I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case, but uh, we'll cross that bridge, I guess, when we get to it. Because talk, it was pretty clear that you know it wasn't going to happen here in the first game, or even the first couple of games. Maybe by the end of the road trip, uh, we shall see. But uh, look, right from the outset, the pre season practice out at UBC when rick Talkett talked about defense by committee you know i think there's an element of forward by committee as well with this vancouver canucks hockey club and i think we'll continue to see that and really with 33 games to go to me it's all about you know obviously you're trying to win them but you also want to know what you've got you want to maximize and optimize so that uh you feel you've got the best lineup possible once the playoffs roll around
0: when we say first things first i was thinking about this over the course uh, of the weekend fellas um 17 goal, uh, 17 games here without a goal for Ilya Mikheyev. This line has the makings of a superior defensive line. I think we can all agree, right? I mean, Lindholm yeah. has been a Selkie Trophy finalist. Uh, Elias uh, Pedersen, I guess I have to specify now, <laughs> has, um, has earned Selkie votes in the past. And and we know that Mikheyev, uh, especially when he came over, was known for his defensive acumen and his speed. Is it possible that Taka just looks at it and goes, okay, Mikheyev can be a black hole offensively or doesn't need to be a huge producer offensively. We'll get our goals from the two aliases plus the top line and the power play. And Mikheyev, just make sure that that line is superior defensively. And we've got the makings of a trio I can keep together. Is that a world either of you can see?
2: It feels like a risk to me. Uh, Again, you're going to see good teams here over the final 33. And then obviously you're going to see good teams in the playoffs. I just I can't imagine that you can just kind of Throw your hands in the air and say, "Hey, one of our top six guys doesn't need to score, isn't going to score, and we're going to be fine with that." This is a guy that's been a 20 goal scorer in what was it, 54 games? The one year, the 21 goals in 54 games in Toronto, and you know, got to double digits here relatively quickly. Like, I, I, I'm not sure, and I've watched this game night in, night out. Like, it's just kind of faded away quietly. Uh, that player is still there. And you heard talk just before the break talking about, uh, you know, wanting McAvoy to play a little more like Hoaglander, just in terms of, you know, ramping up the aggression. You know, he's never, I'm not talking about fighting, but I'm just getting on the forecheck, yeah. out on the puck, force turnovers. You know, he's a big guy, like use your size effectively there. If you do all those things, then yeah, you don't have to be the highest scorer of that trio by any means. But I don't think, you can just say, hey, we don't need any contributions from a guy that got to 10 goals relatively quickly after so much time off last year. Or so uh, I hope that he just settles in. It's going to be interesting to see if he's impacted in any way by his buddy and his countrymen being sent to Calgary in that trade. Uh, but whatever the case, like he's just been way too quiet for far too long now. They need Ilya Mikheyev back and pull it on the rope in the right direction. here. What well, you-
0: then that brings me to Frank Vitrano. Yeah. Um... Does it? As, as Blake looks at me curiously, hmm. his name has been out there. Uh, he's on three point six for this year and next. He's got twenty two goals in fifty games, and he played with Pedersen at the All Star game uh, by the design of Rick Talkett. Do you think Talkett was trying to see something there, Jeff? And could you see them going for, <laughs> for three another
2: three for, for three Could overtime. you
0: see them going to another reasonably sized fish out here on the trade market before March eighth?
2: Oh, I think so. I mean, if you can make the dollars make sense, and that becomes the issue here. Uh, At some point, uh, there is a salary cap in place and they've been up against it all season long. And so, you know, they save a little bit uh, on this latest transaction, but not enough to go get Matrano necessarily. But uh, we've heard Rutherford talk about uh, being all in and, and we've seen how aggressive he's been over the, you know, his career and Elvin clearly cut from that same cloth now. So, Yeah, I think I I can see them absolutely knocking on doors here and trying to make some things happen. Whether they ultimately are able to pull another rabbit out of the hat, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you could bring in a guy that has been a goal scorer on a bad Anaheim team this year, uh, I think that would be a pretty nice fit for this hockey club. So, uh, you know, I know Tockett talked at length uh, yesterday about, you know, just how sort of overwhelmed he is with the depth that he's got down the middle now I do think that uh, their center ice position, and again, I'll include Lindholm in that conversation, even if he lines up over on the wing, sort of the way that Miller and Pedersen, you know, shared center ice duties when they were lotto lining it. Uh, So they've got the middle set up, but, you know, one more scoring winger, absolutely, I think would uh, fit the bill here, but uh, that may be too much to ask. But I do think that they will uh, sort of go to the the, the ends of uh, the earth to try to make something happen here, uh ultimately we'll just see if uh, they've got the resources to to pull the trigger
1: do you think the uh, kind of all-stars got anything out of the experience um it's you know Petey's not the most emotive guy anyway so it's hard to read anything into his actions jt miller seemed to have some fun um and and i think quinn hughes took the these the skills competition with uh, a grain of salt and sort of uh you know had as much fun as we can read on quinn hughes's face as well What, what did you think
2: yeah. I'll be honest that uh, I didn't see a lot of it. In fact, the only parts of the game that I saw were at like 20,000 feet as uh, we flew quickly from Phoenix to Vegas. And I watched some of the all-star game on uh, the airline app. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the all-star is what all-star is. I caught up on uh, some highlights and, and whatnot. Uh, you know, Brock Besser got uh, bamboozled by the commercial break there. I saw in the draft where he thought he was joining his teammates and then they, they had to wait uh, a few minutes and, uh, look, the draft, I think, went for the most part. It looked like it went off without a hitch. Um, I, I I don't know that I needed the players in skates just kind of skating over to grab their jerseys and then go sit on a bench. I probably could have done without that part. But uh, skills competition, it looked like there was a fair bit of intrigue. And, uh, I mean, I, I saw the mostly glowing reviews online in the parts that I saw. And I watched it here on ESPN in the States, which was a little different than, uh, you know, the, the broadcasts that uh, we're used to seeing north of the border. So... Uh, took that for what it was worth. And then as I was sort of in transit on Saturday, so I didn't see the games, but look, I, I think, yes, I think uh, all of those players and the fact that they were there together and they recognized that, you know, as Rick Tockett said, like, this is about the crest. Like it was well represented. It was better represented than any other team in the national hockey league. Like there has to be some pride there uh, and they're there because of the seasons that they're having. So I hope the guys embraced it and enjoyed their downtime And I thought it was interesting to hear talk and say he asked his all-stars if they wanted the night off on Sunday. And he said no to a man. They all wanted to be back there at that first practice for the Vancouver Canucks. I think that indicates that these guys are anxious to get this going again with 33 before the playoffs. That's
0: a good sign. That is absolutely a great sign. They're not about that all-star action. They're about the regular season (laughs) and what's left. So you saw JT Miller picked Jeremy Swayman as the goalie he wanted to face. You saw Thatcher Demko wasn't hugging Snubbing. Jeremy Swayman. Uh, it's led to our poll question: Jeff Demko and Miller versus Swayman—is this reigniting Canucks Bruins in advance of their Thursday game? Is the rivalry back, J
2: Pat? I can't believe you guys are going down this road, but <laughs> it, it feels to me you need two sides to have a rivalry, right? And as much as people in Vancouver still cling to 2011. Like, the Bruins have so moved past that. I don't know if there's a person in Boston that's thought about Vancouver since 2011. They've got back to two finals. They had one of the all-time great regular seasons. They've had Hall of Fame players. Uh, All of that since 2011, and we're left in Vancouver just twiddling our thumbs because there's been nothing since. And so there's too many people that are hung up on that. I'd love to see the rivalry get renewed, but, man, it's going to take more than uh, a no-hug uh, between goaltenders at All-Star Weekend, I think, to fire it up. So I'm voting <laughs> no on your poll question. Okay. okay. The well, fans we'll be, were, the look, fans
0: were aggrieved. Yeah. The Boston fans were aggrieved. Yeah. Jacob Lauko, uh, quote tweeted one of them, yeah. saying more hugs for us. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see if anything transpires Thursday between these two teams. And of course, uh, you'll be back doing rink whites uh, between now and then against Carolina on Tuesday and against Boston on Thursday as the Canucks undertake this. This uh, Eastern Conference trip, which is what Jeff, uh, a pretty good test, huh? Yeah, like we easy. were, we oh. were talking tests. Yeah. I mean, this one is absolutely well, a test when you take think... a look at. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I just don't know that people are paying you know day to day attention to Carolina, but like as good as the Canucks have been since Christmas. Carolina's got one more point than the Vancouver Canucks do since the Christmas break so they've been going they've got the best power play in the National Hockey League since the Christmas break and actually before that so you know it's not a team that has game breakers but they've got the balance scoring and they've got enough guys obviously and they've got the system there uh, under Rod Brindamore so great challenge for the Canucks but you know like Vancouver it's first game for Carolina out of this break we'll see if that has any impact and then into Boston and Yeah, we'll watch the warm-up, and we'll see if uh, Demko and Swayman are, uh, you know, eyeballing each other from opposite sides of center. But then the the two quick weekend games, Detroit doesn't play until that game on Saturday. So maybe that's a break that uh, the Wings are going to have to find their legs. And then they get Washington on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. Washington will have been in Boston on Saturday. So it's back-to-back for both the Canucks and the Capitals, and we'll see how that one plays out. But whatever the case, it's four games in really five and a half days because the two – early starts. So uh, tough opponents, difficult scheduling, those weekend matinees always seem to test the Vancouver Canucks. So look, there's going to be a ton of tests from here to the finish line, but that's what makes it so great for us and the business that we're in and the fans. Like, I hope people embrace this, that it it feels like, I don't know, 15 of the final 33 are going to be big time, you know, games against really good opponents that I think we're going to learn a lot about this Vancouver Canuck team that you know has been incredible to this point to the All-Star break uh, these aren't the final exams, obviously. The final exams come in the playoffs, but these are sort of like stern midterms here, hmm. uh, out of the All Star break against some really good opponents. So let's see if the Vancouver Canucks can uh, keep that mojo going.
1: They faced yeah. the Bruins twice this month. They've yep. got Sid in the Penguins. They've got Nathan McKinnon and the Avalanche coming up. They've got the mm. Winnipeg Jets, which we have to remember that's a good team. <laughs> like, yeah, like they this haven't is seen the Jets yet. They've got three left oh, against yeah. Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah. and
0: uh, you know, midterms uh, after reading week here kind yes. of inverse order <laughs> yeah. and, and then hey tomorrow how about this the way it sets up i mean this is just uh this is just beautiful um you sit down you watch the canucks in carolina and then you get dessert oilers shooting for 17 in a row in vegas against the defending stanley cup champions yeah, should be, be a fun to. night of hockey yeah on tuesday jeff great stuff travel home safely look forward to catching up later this week
3: all
2: right we'll see you soon guys thanks
0: here's some price from wall center presentation applewood auto group
1: applewood infinity in langley the beautiful qx80 i've always wanted a qx80 Applewood. i've always wanted a qx80 applewood i've always wanted a mm-hmm. qx80 i'm just gonna say it a few more times the 2024 you can finance it. not not just me because mm-hmm. i have the show Even you, listener, can finance it for as low as 0%, plus you get $8,000 in non-stack cash as well. Go check it out at Applewood Infinity and Langley. It's all good at
0: Applewood. I could lend you the QX60 if you're interested. I need the trunk space. QX80. Okay. Had a gentleman at Granville Island, as I pulled in yesterday, say, ooh, like that car. Tell me about it. So I did. Really? Wow. And then 15 minutes later, the gentleman was like, okay, I've got to go now. (laughs) Poll question today we're asking you has Thatcher Demko and JT Miller versus Jeremy Swayman reignited the Canucks Bruins rivalry you can vote at and price at twitter and youtube let's get to some hashtags at Best Mike, and worst of Twitter.com.
1: at michael kingsbury i did it mm-hmm. 87 time world cup winner and to do it in Deer Valley Resort makes it the this milestone extra special i can't put it into words that I am now the men with the most wins in fist history. Thank you, mm-hmm. to everyone contributing to my success since I started skiing moguls at eight years old. Normally, I make fun of the mogul skiers
0: because that's what racers and race x racers do. Oh, I see. But why? Because they don't race the Hanen Comp. They deserve your ridicule. It's just been a long-standing. By the me. way, I watched uh, Wangen and, and uh, Kitspiel this year, and I just I still can't get over. The danger involved there, and and really how the insurance guys allow that in today's
1: <coughs> day and age. I watched the super G last week. It was mm-hmm. harrowing. It was really fast, uh, but, but and I don't know how Stemmel broadcasts it after nearly dying. Yeah, the trauma. Uh, Kingsbury, though, he is the now
0: winningest skier. Yes, he is in history. Yeah, and, and I don't want to was always going to be thus because you have to go out and do it, but. When this kid was a mere teenager, people were saying he is going to dominate this sport. Yeah, from the you know, and he did. It, it, like he's 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 maybe the he, is he gonna? I mean, he's one of the most Canadian decorated Canadian athletes ever. But he's a he's a sporting goat that most Canadians right. don't know. No, for sure. Is he gonna keep going till uh, twenty twenty six in the next? Uh, Olympics, I would think so. I would think so. Right. Yeah. Still doing it. Cause does he have an Olympic gold? I thought
1: he did, no? I thought he did. Okay. Arizona missions.
0: Football. I thought for a I thought he might be on that ignominious list of like great Canadians on the World Cup circuit who didn't wind One up One Gold. Okay, good. Yeah. At Pro football talk, Patrick Mahomes senior, the father of Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes faces a third DUI charge. Under Texas law, conviction would result in a two- to ten-year prison term. He was being held on a $10,000 bond. I suspect that's been resolved, given the uh, wealth involved in the family. Um, Patrick Mahone Sr., if you're not familiar, was a pitcher in the major leagues for a number of years. But uh, you can't drive over-served. And this is now going to be a distraction. And I suspect that Patrick Mahomes Jr. will get some questions about this during Super Bowl week. And I get that, but like, what are you going
1: to say? He shouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, like, I mean, what else are you going to say? Um, But yeah, it's, uh, you'd almost advise him to like call a press conference on it and like now. And- well, he'll
0: have media day, right? Like, so he'll be able to. Address this early in the week and and then I suspect I suspect move on. It's a little much though. Three. Like Yeah. And and frankly, Blake, I'm a little surprised it's only two to ten years under Texas law. You know, Texas can be a pretty hardcore state when it comes to sentencing. Except if everybody does it and they don't
1: want it to be too harsh. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, at Elias Makos, uh, media member in Montreal. Uh, we're going to spend 1870000000 in the end for a new permanent roof on Olympic Stadium. Mm. If today's reports are true, at the end of the process, the football team will still play in a bare-bones university facility that doesn't even have seats. For real, spectators have to sit on no back benches. The hockey team still won't be able to hold outdoor games in the most hockey-mad city in the world. The soccer team will still play in the worst facility in its league. The tennis tournament will still have to be miserable every five to seven years when rain washes out the week. And there still won't be the baseball park necessary to attract a franchise in an $11 billion industry. What the heck are we doing? How is this possible? They're putting a new roof
0: on Olympic Stadium. The uh, biggest white elephant in the uh, history of Canadian stadium or arena construction project immediately ran more than a half billion dollars over budget. Of 70s money. First retractable Kevlar roof um, could not open and close properly in winds above 40 clicks. Uh, new roof couldn't handle more than three centimeters of snow. snow. Yeah. Uh, of course, large concrete slabs have fallen off of this stadium on the outer concourse, which needless to say is a public safety Hazard? They have twenty thousand
1: tears in the current roof. Mm-hmm. There, if like CF Montreal does play play one plays one to two games early because the pitch is frozen. It's Stad Saputo, mm-hmm. um,
0: but there's leaks everywhere. Yeah, but, so and uh, um, hasn't hosted a Grey Cup since two thousand eight, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. So they just put new turf down, so you know it will be ready to do that. Well, and they do get huge crowds there for the international soccer matches that come through town. Mm-hmm. But all things considered, B.C. place, Bavco, B.C. government, you're looking pretty good, baby, in comparison. I called a game there last year. Honestly, um,
1: it it looks like the set of uh, The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. Like it looks like a post-apocalyptic, like what that stadium would look like 20 years after the apocalypse, that's what it looks like right now inside. Like they need more than a new roof Mm -hmm. to make it. The thing about it,
0: it is absolutely gargantuan. It's huge. Like the concourses and just everything yeah. about it. The Very well. Space wide. around pitches. Yeah. Like, yeah. At Jeff Passon, the Seattle Mariners are acquiring right hand reliever Gregory Santos in a trade with the Chicago White Sox for right hander Prolander Baroa, outfielder Zach Deloach, and the 69th pick in the 2024 draft. You can now trade these compensation picks in the baseball draft. So, um, Mariners staying busy here, but it, it just seems like every time they make a st- step this offseason. It's at the expense of another step. Uh, Santos is going to replace Justin Topo, who was sent to Minnesota in the Polanco deal of last week or the week before, but Barroa was in line for that assignment. So, anyways, uh, 339 ERA and five saves. He did close out some games for the White Sox last year. 66 strikeouts and 66 innings pitched. And, um, you know, the, the Mariners, like a bunch of these teams that are subject to the Valley's bankruptcy and unknown uh, local television revenue, reven- uh, local television revenues, um, playing it very cautious financially. And that's not necessarily something that's going to go over well with their fans. And, and honestly, and everybody knows I'm a Blue Jays fan, we have some fun when the M's and the Blue Jays play. But I got a feel for Mariners fans because there was a ton of momentum with this franchise. Um, two years ago when they beat the Jays in that wildcard round and you thought onwards and upwards and this looks like a terrific uh, young team and good farm system and they were going to be able to grow and here we are a couple of years later and I'm not necessarily sure that the immediate results are going to be realized even if the farm system remains pretty good and of course that rotation is brilliant. You you do wonder whether DePoto, DePoto and company are just going to have to bite the bullet and trade one of those fine young starting pitchers to realize more offense or real or fill other holes on the ball club. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit disappointing. Still a very slow. We're ten days away from pitchers and catchers. Yeah, crazy. And you still got massive free agents out there on the market.
1: At H E A Puck Drop, the Puck Drop, Macklin Celebrini, who was recently named to the National Rookie of the Year watch list, has now scored seven goals in his last eight games since returning from the World Juniors. I had noticed this pace had been picking up because, you know, I follow BU Men's Hockey on Twitter, and they tweet out every time he scores. Bingo! And and it's been happening a lot.
0: Did you see McKenzie's midseason rankings, 10 out of 10 scouts picked him at first overall? Yeah. Because if you go back to the beginning of the year, some people were intrigued with Cole Iserman, some people were intrigued with Demidoff, the Russian forward. Then the Silayev, uh, uh, Cil- Cil- however you pronounce his name, the six foot seven Russian defenseman started getting some helium, but they are all in Macklin's wake here, and I think we are absolutely tracking towards a second consecutive year where a Vancouver kid goes first overall in the NHL draft. Yeah, and,
1: and does so in a spectacular manner. Yeah. yeah.
0: Incidentally, I met his younger brother RJ over the weekend. Oh, did you bumped into him with a family friend? Yeah. Uh, when we had Macklin on the show, we asked him. We hear your younger brother is like a spitting image. Does everything like you on the ice, and I can attest they are
1: they I, are very much alike. I think Macklin and Aidan look very similar. Yeah, it's true.
0: So, yeah. Uh, lastly, for me at Sky Sports F One, Red Bull has launched an investigation after allegations of inappropriate behavior were made against team principal Christian Horner. Horner denies the allegations and will remain in his role while the investigation continues later this month the next season of drive to survive drops on netflix this is of course the revolutionary reality series about f1 that not only helped increase the sport's popularity particularly here in north america but became sort of a model and a template even though they weren't exactly followed to the letter for other sports looking to you know use these reality series as promotional Vehicle, Of course, we won't get to any of this until next year's drive to survive, but we've got Lewis Hamilton changing teams before the season even starts for next year at $100 million for Ferrari. And now an investigation around Christian Horner. It would seem that whatever drama is not going to be on track this year if Max Verstappen waltzes to another world championship uh, may be filled by the soap operas around Horner and around Lewis Hamilton. How does he get along with Mercedes in the final year? How does Carlos Sainz get along with Ferrari in his final year? And if you didn't know, um, Christian Horner is Mr. Ginger Spice. Oh. Married to Jerry Hallowell, the really? former Spice Girl. I guess she's a current Spice. They still tour from time Once to time. Once a Spice, always a Spice, okay. too. Come on. And that's hashtags for today. We are joined now by the head coach of Vancouver Island Whitecaps they FC. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed this on my social media this morning. They played the first leg of the Concacaf Champions Cup against Mexican side Tigres at Starlight Stadium on the island on Wednesday to get things going on what will be a busy season of soccer here. Vanny Sartini, welcome back to the show. How are we doing?
3: Uh, very good, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> how was Bar- how was uh, Spain? You took the side to Spain this
3: yeah, year for yeah. training camp. It was really good. It was uh, very intense. Three weeks of camp of where we trained a lot. We played four games that for like the first week of uh, preseason is something unusual that you do uh, against a very good opposition from all around Europe, Hungary, Serbia, Norway, all teams from their first division and uh the, the the camp was was really good we had uh we worked a lot but the weather was fantastic the facility were amazing and uh, you know the possibility to play those international games was also a, a big factor in us uh, choosing that uh, that place for the preseason and uh, yeah hopefully it helped us being uh, ready here for this very very mm. hard clash that we're going to have on Wednesday <laughs>
0: I'm going to turn you over here to Voice of the Whitecaps Blake Price in a second with some uh, specific questions. But last year, Vanny, I know you knew the maximum number of games if you maxed out all of your Cup games that <laughs> you could play in a season. Do you have that number for us this
3: year, Vanny? I think so. It should be sixty. If we, if we sixty, don't... yeah. If Sounds we go, like... every... oh if you go... go, if we go all in in in, in all competition. Uh, should be 60 because it's like uh, 34 in the league that this one will play 34 in yeah. the league then uh, if we go all in in the champions cup is uh, 9 games so it's 45 then 7 games in the league's cup 52 Uh 4 games in the Canadian championship 4, four games in the playoffs so 60 wow
1: well, good luck yeah, you've you've added some bodies to make sure that you have uh you know the requisite number of players to start every match which is which is smart um what do you think of demir we'll start with the, the early signings demir Krylak and fafa pico what do they what do they look like in spain and in the uh, little bit of uh game action that you saw as well
3: yeah they look both very well like you know the idea of adding to uh, offensive players was the fact that uh, we wanted to give uh other solution besides having Ryan and Brian up top that last year were fantastic, but uh, be, having those two players that are very good sometimes can paradoxically become a limitation because that's the, your only outlet for uh, uh, for the offensive game, and you become even a little bit predictable. So, what we'll try this year is to try to play at least with a game, three offensive player in every game, and uh, we added these two players that are completely different from one another. Damir is more of a Kind of a number ten, he can play as a in a couple of a striker. He can he can play in between the line. He's very uh, tall, so he's also good in uh, attacking the box with the, with the header. And Fafa is more of a kind of a one v one player, uh, dribbler uh, guys, that, a guy that uh, help in uh, in open space. So uh, they both did very well in in Spain. Uh, Damir arrived earlier. Damir arrived a few days earlier because Fafa. We had to finalize in the deal and everything, and so he couldn't join us for the first kind of week of the camp. So at the moment, probably Damir is a little ahead of Fafa, uh, but uh, you know there's still a month for uh, before the start of the league, and uh, uh, there will be, I would say, important pieces for the for the season for sure.
0: And Vanny, if I can just ask, these are both players with massive amounts of MLS experience. Um, d- did this sort of indicate a bit of a, a culture change for you guys in terms of the type of players you? Target in the off season because the one thing we've come to learn is guys who come to MLS it can be an eye opening experience with the travel yeah. and everything that's different about this league.
3: Yeah, I don't know if it's a culture change, but for sure it's something that is related of uh, uh, where we are at the moment. So I think we are in a very good uh, trend. We are a good team. We are very close to reach. Uh, I would say something special that could be the top four or or winning uh, uh, another trophy uh so uh we need uh, i think something uh, people that come in and can have an impact immediately in the team. We're not in a phase where the team is actually kind of growing up or or uh uh I would say developing in the early stage so that's the reason why when uh, when we were talking in the off season i expressed to the to, to the scouting department the the i would say the the preference of having players that already had uh, mlx experience so uh they could have been uh, i would say immediately having an impact that is the kind of player that we need at this point in our i would say in in our ecosystem that we created here at the Ycaps
1: we've been wondering when you'd get some center back, uh, help, like some true center back help. And you go and get Bjorn Inge Utvik who sounds like yep. a, a cross country skier, um, a Norwegian guy, um, not quite the same sizes, uh, or height of, of uh, Veselinovic, but, um, could be some relief for him. Maybe the opportunity to play the two of them in a, in a Christmas tree. Like what, what how do you see this playing out?
3: Well, you know, Bjorn is actually, uh, uh, by the way, he's one of the most lo- good-looking dude that I ever seen. It's important. It's important to have a good-looking team. Yeah, <laughs> okay. and um, uh, I think it's uh, it's gonna be an important piece because he can play in every position of the defense. If he played mm-hmm. the back three in Norway, he played in uh, a right center back in the middle of the three as a, as a left center back, so he can easily fit in every position. And uh, yes, it gives us another possibility to explore the fact to 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 be in a back four because, uh, as I told you last year, uh, the only two guys that they were solid to play in a back four were were Tristan and uh, and uh, and Ranco. So we didn't have any. And replacement there in terms of uh, uh, MLS starting caliber. So we hope that Bjorn can also give us this flexibility. And having three guys instead of two can make us make even the choice sometimes to go back for. And
1: with no Richie in the fold, uh, what what is the right back position? It's a work in progress. Is there is there a chance for a late movement there before the start of the season, or at some point early in the season? What what should we expect there?
3: i think that uh the, the the you know it's more of a question for axel in the front mm-hmm. office but i think that uh there will be another addiction on on the team and it's no secret that we're looking for um uh, uh improver uh, and uh put in our um, guy in our batteries of uh, wide players wing back fullback how do you want to call it and uh also because at the moment we have uh uh Kubi that uh, it's still uh, recovering he's in mm-hmm. return to play and ali ahmed that uh, uh he can play in that role even if last year he played more as a number 8 but uh, he can play easily as a wingback he played for us as a wingback a lot of time is uh he got he just got surgery so um we need to have uh, I would say another option and of course uh, another quality option we're taking our time because uh, i got got to be honest with you i i never watched that many right back like I did in this, in this off season. Of tape, okay. huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, so we'll, uh, we'll, 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 we're making sure with, uh, we Axel, uh, Johan, win the oldest scouting, the scouting teams to, to find the, the, the best option possible that can fit our way of playing. And most importantly, also our, our salary cap.
1: <laughs> and Sam and Ali, are they good for the opener? Do you think, or is that still ambitious?
3: Uh, I, Ali, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I, I, Ali, I think uh, so. The surgery was in uh, end of January, like the twenty fifth. We envision at least uh, kind of five or six weeks till okay. till, till he can uh, start training fully. So probably he will start if everything goes well. He will start training fully at the beginning of March and being ready to start again probably I don't know, beginning of April. Uh, Sam, no, Sam, uh, Sam is doing well. Sam is. Uh, it's progressing a lot, and uh, I think it's going to be decisive to see in which condition we'll be when we go in Palm, to Palm Springs after the two games with Tigres to see in which, uh, in which uh, game he will be available to, to start.
0: Well, you're over at Starlight on Wednesday night in Langford uh, because the uh, BC play's unavailable. I'm looking at the forecast here, Manny. Minus two, cloudy periods, outside chance of some precipitation against Tigris, the Mexican side. What do you tell your team about preparing for a game that could be bitterly cold in some nasty weather against the side that, let's face it, isn't accustomed to these sorts of conditions? And Zinyak's so old, his arthritis will flare up
1: in the cold. <laughs> oh. We're hoping, right? <laughs>
3: Hopefully. Uh, you know, I think that... Uh, uh, I think, first of all, it was good to come back home uh, at least a week before the game, so yesterday we trained and all the players were yeah it's cold it's cold today <laughs> it's not that cold but we were used to the 22 degrees in spain so that's uh, that's the thing and yeah and and uh, of course we hope that uh, uh this little inconvenience of not having bc plays available for the game we have to flip it and make it an, an advantage so you know uh, tigres probably uh that always played in big stadium in big uh, big uh, setting uh, they're not so used to play in a venue like starlight that is more of a showcase place uh with six six seven thousand pers- 7,000 people uh the the field is gonna be a little small and 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 uh than uh, than b c plays uh, uh you know it's uh, the, the the weather is gonna play probably uh, a role, but the biggest role is going to be played by us. We need to be, uh, you know, um, really, really, really on on our best uh, best behavior because we don't have to forget that uh, they are on game five of their uh, league, so they're fully in uh, in in form, and we are only I don't know 23, 24 mm. days in our season <laughs> in terms of preseason. So you know the the all the shape uh, state of form it goes in their favor let's we let's try to get in our favor all the rest including uh i would say the intensity in the game uh putting 120 percent of what we have in the game and and play the best that we can
0: well we all know what a plucky underdog can do at starlight Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) well yes if if not we might not be speaking to you
3: Luckily for me, I got the job because of
0: that. I was gonna say, if, if not for a plucky <laughs> underdog in Starlight, we might not be speaking to you here today, Vanny. Um, have you allowed yourself to think about what May 25th against Lionel Messi may look
3: like at <laughs> yeah, BC it's Place? Gonna, it's gonna be a madness for sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's gonna be. I'm, I'm, you know. You don't want to think about it because, of course, it's going to be, I don't know, game 14 of the league and uh, there's going to be already playing in probably the first round of the Canadian Championship and the Champions League. You have a million things to think. But, of course, sometimes you think about it because when you see that we, the, the the stadium is already sold out and uh, there's going to be 55,000 people. I'm more excited about that than to play against Messi, to be honest. Mm. Like, uh, and uh, so... That's something that it will be I would say memorable for for the city and for the club. Uh and hopefully it's gonna be, I would say, one of the things, not the thing of the season. So one of the things of the season because uh uh you know we it's it's a big chance to attract fans that uh we 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 actually we, we normally yeah. don't have and, and, and we'll see. And also, yeah, you know, I wanna see uh if there's some kind of uh I don't know competition in between our players to get messy jersey at the end.
0: Well, <laughs> no, but that was my follow up, Benny. Um <laughs> like will your players be starstruck? Will will you be starstruck? Can you allow starstruckness as a feeling going into that match, given that I he's think, in your I league think, and uh, he is your to complete
3: to be completely honest. In the in the warm-up and in the Leading of the will be star strike. <laughs> it's pretty simple, you know. Yeah. Uh, but then when the game, uh, so you'll see uh, your you, Messi arrive. Messi Busquet K. Albert, uh, you know, like uh, Suarez. Uh, and uh, uh, but then uh, we 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 already experience against uh, a lot of players that. Uh, uh, there are very good players and top players. You know, we were lucky. I was like, we were lucky in the last year to play against, I don't know, uh, Chiellini, Ibrahimović, Wayne Rooney, uh, Insigne, Bernardeschi. All these guys are not messy, but are very famous. And, you and, and uh, you know, when they have a, a certain aura when they arrive on the field. But then when the, when the referee blows the whistle, it's... Uh, you know that they become like uh, like uh, Martin Blake in the field. Oh so that's... <laughs> boy! No,
0: believe you me, no, they do not. <laughs> and
3: uh, and and because we are concentrated on on uh, on uh, on what we try to do, so you know, I think it's totally normal to have uh, uh, a little bit of a uh, different sensation and being a little Star Trek Star yeah. when. Uh, when the games is uh, not yet started, but then uh, when the game will start, we'll 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 know what to do.
0: Great stuff. Um, here it is, a hundred days before the match, and and we're
1: talking yeah. about it. That's yeah. how
3: big a deal it's going to be. In hey, town.
1: Maybe a lot of fans for the opener too. You're going to have a lot of yeah. Fun. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah,
3: yeah. I told the uh, told the 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 the, the ticket uh, the ticketing uh, department not to do. A too much of a fantastic job because I'm still suspended, so I need a seat in the in the That's right. Want you want <laughs> <You That's
0: laughs> <right>. strike? <laughs> you can watch the game with Matt and Blake. Yeah, exactly. Um, we're always here for you. Maddie, marvelous stuff. Good luck on Wednesday against Tigres. Thank you for the time here, and we look forward to getting Whitecaps football going here in 2024. Thank you so much,
3: guys. Always a pleasure.
0: This is Harrison Price from Wall Center. Presentation, Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. So announced by FIFA Sunday, BC Place will play host to five group stage matches at the 2026 World Cup. Those games will be June 13th, 18th, 21st, 24th, and 26th. So really over a two-week period here in the city, every three days, have a World Cup match, then knockout round matches on July second. That's a round of thirty-two, and July seventh. That's a round of sixteen. Vancouver is hosting two of Canada's three group stage matches. Toronto is going to get the opener, and then the next two Canadian matches will be here in Vancouver. And as James Duffy points out, if Vancouver, if Canada wins its group, it would stay in Vancouver for the round of thirty-two. Game And if it wins that one, it would stay in Vancouver for the round of 16 games. So there's the potential for five Canadian games <laughs> in Canada. That's a big ask. With four of them in Vancouver. Very, very big ask. Now, I saw you tweeting. You were hoping for, what, as many as 10 and at least eight? Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you feel shortchanged here
1: at all? I, so there, there's good news and bad news. Love that we got the two of the three. So that's mm. that's really and great. And remember,
0: this is a um, different format World Cup than what we've been... Accustomed to, uh, well, more teams, but but other than that, not really. I mean, same
1: idea. It's just more teams. That's all. But they remember they backtracked on the on the proposed oh, right.
0: changes. More teams, yeah. Same groups of four, right? Because yes. uh, Qatar went worked so well, yes, with the groups of four. So. Yeah. So it, I
1: love that we got two of the three Canadian matches. I love that we get matches of consequence, elimination games, and two of them. And we got more of the games than games. Well, that's
0: it. Like we're we're going to know what the stakes are for Canada in both of these matches, right? Oh, there's that too. Yes, yes. but I just,
1: I just mean even assuming things don't go great for Canada and they they don't even make the round of 32, you're still going to have games of of consequence, mm-hmm. like elim, elimination matches here at BC Place. Uh, in back-to-back weeks in the round right. of 32 and the round of 16. So that's very cool. We got more than than Toronto did, both for Canadian matches and for overall matches. What's a better stadium, period? Yeah. Bigger, like, better. bigger,
0: better. Yeah. Like everything about it is superior.
1: And too. our neighbors to the south in Seattle, they got six matches. Um, only two conflicts with our matches, so we'll effectively
0: we'll have access mm-hmm. to 12 matches. If you have the wallet and the wherewithal to go up and down the I-5 and... Yeah, visit Seattle. Eleven matches, pardon me, eleven matches. And um, as as we saw with the women's World Cup here, those knockout stage matches, they bring in pretty big audiences, pretty serious audiences. Yeah. And then after the fact, you have jubilant fans and you have despondent fans. But they both typically hit up Vancouver bars and restaurants post-match.
1: For those of you that were around for the Olympics and remember the vibe, um, it was palpable. It, it was fun time to be in
0: the city. Oh, for sure. It was the best two weeks in Vancouver history. So Is like this so. going to be more palpable? Mm-hmm. There's less Canadiana beyond the two Canadian games. Right. Like part of what made the Olympics a thing is that people from all over the country just started flying here because they wanted to be a part of the vibe. But group stage could be fun here. With oh, Canada. for sure. Yeah. No question. The the Canadian group stage matches and Dare to Dream if Canada gets through. Yeah. Uh is gonna be incredible. I, I think if Canada gets through to one of these knockout matches, let alone two Blake, then I think you're talking about something that is reminiscent. Wow, well, but they have the to win
1: Olympics. the group to stay here. So, right. I
0: don't think there's a chance they win the group. What? Yeah. You're Mr. Positivity on Canada's side. We have to we have to see
1: the group. We have to see the group before we can make that those sorts of predictions, but most nations tend to do pretty well at World Cups. They're 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 in pot A, right? So like they, Korea
0: making it through to that to yeah. the semis way back when, yeah, right? Yeah, because
1: they they, they 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 are treated as a favorite, if you will. Um, you know, you're already into the group and and it's well, not minnows, but it's middleweights and minnows from there on in. So, yeah, if they
0: get a good draw, you never say never, I guess. Uh, the big winner of the final is MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. That's New Jersey, not New York, everybody, if you, didn't, yeah, you happen to wrong. be yeah. confused by what FIFA released on that. New York metropolitan area, but is on the Jersey side, of course, the home of the Giants and the Jets, to which Chris Long, former NFLer, tweeted, Let's bring the most expensive ACLs on the planet to MetLife. Brilliant. Well, one certainly hopes they have resolved all turf issues at MetLife Stadium uh, between now and 2026. The NFL players don't like the turf there at MetLife. Well,
1: it'll be it'll be it's you know it, it's it's going to be the the, the best
0: grass you yes. can imagine. So I believe it or not, Blake, I once did a. Uh, a story on when I in my newspaper days on the FIFA handbook requirements for the grass for any bid city and it was astonishingly yeah. precise like length of blade of grass yeah, know, I mean
1: soil augusta like it was yeah. I couldn't believe what I was reading which is what makes the B C Place transformation and what's gonna happen there it's gonna be very interesting. Oh gotta get that right. Gotta get which that right. Which is why if can't if, be the laughing stock of the World Cup because of the turf. Which is why they should put it in for twenty twenty five. Right. And let the White Caps get test some it, learning on and it. And the Lions yeah. test it for all yeah. that. Season. Well, and
0: especially the White Caps, because like, yeah. the White Caps will be able to tell you how the ball bounces, well yeah. you know, how it how it reacts to you know, different weather conditions. And I know you can close the stadium, but this is very sensitive stuff here. Yeah, I, I suspect they keep it closed for the most part. But mm-hmm. um, uh, Dallas and Atlanta are going to host the semifinals here. Um, two incredible stadiums there. So it sounds to me like FIFA just wanted the uh, New York City proximity the airports for yeah. their, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that too. And then this is interesting, Blake. Philadelphia is hosting a match on July 4th. It's a round of 16 game. That will be the 250th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence in Philadelphia. We went down to Freedom Hall there once upon a time. So people are speculating that that's where the U.S. might land if they make it to the round of 16 to play in Philly on the How do you not? annual yeah, yeah on the anniversary date and i saw some cheeky bastards tweet oh wouldn't it be poetic if it was england versus the oh, USA?" oh
1: that would be so good <laughs> july 4th i in philadelphia other canadian soccer news by the way alfonso davies is hurt uh mm-hmm. they say he's gone 5 to 6 weeks i believe mm-hmm. uh Of course, Canada plays Trinidad and Tobago in that Copa America qualifier on the 23rd of March.
0: Probably fine.
1: Oh, yeah. Not the greatest timing.
0: Uh, BC Lions here. And the Moj, who's at Super Bowl again, good for him, tweeting, Matthew Betts tells him that certain teams have been, quote, extremely aggressive as the CFL negotiation window opened. It opened on the weekend. He says the Lions are still a possibility. This week will be, quote, interesting. So the Leos go into this final week and the negotiation window open with Ben Lattic and Mattia Betts still unsigned. Two of the best Canadian free agents out there. They re-signed defensive back Marcus Sales on the weekend. So really, the secondary can return mostly intact. I say mostly because T.J. Lee is coming off that a, uh, that Achilles. And may miss most, if not all, uh, of the season. David re resigns. Canadian offensive lineman like to see them get involved in the O line market here, BC. Although a lot of the Canadian guys seem Canadian guys seem like they have already um, picked their destinations and resigned. We'll it's see. It's a pretty uh, slow start, though, to the free agent. Market. Well, you're not allowed to um, sign for sure until the thirteenth but some guys have already negotiated their releases from their existing club to sign early. Mm. I mean, if you're down to the final week and a team knows it doesn't want you back, then it's not um, too big an ask to get an early release. Okay. Poll question results from Friday. And uh, another huge voter here. I think we had twenty five, twenty six hundred. 2,600 Votes on, should the Canucks trade a second-round pick and a prospect for Chris Tanev? Yes or no. What won the poll? Uh, yes. Correct. Percentage? 70. 56. Ooh. Colin and Planning. No, I'm done with the trading of draft picks and prospects. How much of that capital do you want to spend for possibly one playoff run? I'd rather have multiple runs in a future. Amon says... Then they would have someone making $3 million or more as a seventh defenseman. One, that's bad usage of cap space. Two, they don't have the cap to do it. Someone needs to be moved out for it. Only deal that makes sense is Myers or Susie plus a fourth for TANF, with Myers being the preferred choice. JD says that's a no-brainer, but I assume they're going to have to wait for the deadline. Calgary retains 50%. And then Drew says, absolutely, as much as I like Big Z, would probably have to be moved for salary reasons. Having the following deep pairings would make us solid throughout the lineup. He's got Hughes with Tanev, Cole with Roenick, Susie, and Myers. We explained on Friday's show that if Calgary were to retain 50% of Chris Tanev, and of course Mark Friedman would be sent down as a corresponding move from the Vancouver Canucks, you can get real close to fitting him. Mm-hmm. But you'd have to pay
1: them for that honor. Right. Like the price goes up, the minute you ask them to do that. Now,
0: Amon makes a great point. It would be a, it's not the greatest cap allotment to have a seventh defense make, making millions of dollars. But you may look at it and just say, hey, they're all playing. They're all like, we're all we're going to need all in the yeah. Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah. And I'd much rather go to a guy first man up who is a regular NHL player and qualified defenseman of some stature. Than to be going for, as Sarah Valley's been talking to us about, you know, you got to get beyond the playing play fringe guys regularly. Yeah. And currently that would be Juleson and
1: Friedman. And I, I, you'd rather be bringing in Zadorov mm-hmm. than Juleson or Friedman, I think.
0: Errors and omissions from Friday's program, Grady Sass. I have a couple. Uh, Ryan Kessler, it was a no-trade clause, not a no-move clause that he had with the Vancouver Canucks when he forced his way to Anaheim and only Anaheim. And then Kevin dayoff, Winnipeg Jets general and manager, hired in June 2011. It took him two years and eight trades before he finally acquired a bona fide NHL player. Now, there were some sort of fringy guys prior to that, that Cheval brought in, but mostly AHL guys. He did not acquire an NHL player for more than two years when he made a deal for Michael like, Think for about that within the
1: context of the Canucks this year yeah. alone.
0: Yeah. Kevin Cheval went two calendar years before he traded for an NHL player. Patrick Alvine has accomplished this
1: season what, you know, uh, the rate of 10 seasons of Kevin Cheval
0: really. Grady, anything that uh, you sussed out, anything from the inbox? Nothing. Brilliant. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us, Rinkwide Vancouver, and Connects Conversation wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on social. That's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. A reminder, we're live daily, 1130 a.m. on YouTube. And, of course, support those community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.